It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 18th of September, one week away from like officially getting going. We'll look at our point guards, the rightful order of the basketball universe, and we'll get to know Epe Udo. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. You can get it on iTunes or any of your podcatchers. You also can get it on Google Home or on uh, the Amazon Echo and Alexa and all of those things. So feel free to do that as well as your way to grab the podcast. I am the radio voice of the Jazz. As I said, I bring this to you every day. We're back to daily, and we're rolling. This week, we'll look at point guards today. We'll look at kind of wings on Tuesday. We'll look at big – actually, tomorrow we may not do a show. I actually need to fly to the Bay Area to see a friend for a day. So there's a chance. Actually, I'll get to, I'll get a bit. I'm going to get a bitty bit, an itty bitty show out tomorrow. It'll probably be posted late tonight. So we'll, we'll wait on Wednesday. We'll do wings, and on Thursday we'll do bigs, and then Friday we'll do storylines. And then I think it hasn't been announced yet, but I I think that it. I, I've said this before. It has to be. Uh, I I I think Monday has to be media day. Um, so it has to be, just out of logic, unless it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, and it's always been on a Monday. So that's my logic. Uh, by the way, uh, so we'll get going and do that. And then we, the get to know. I apologize for the show kind of problem. I did the edit, and then the five-minute mark only went up, and then in some places it never got fixed, and then I took it down and re-downloaded. And I don't know if you can get it, but the, the Neto-Gobert interplay, it was like the best show I've ever had, too. That's what sucks. Uh, the Neto-Gobert interplay on Friday's show is awesome and the get to know uh, Jonas Jerebko is terrific so make sure you do those things all right um, today's show is brought to you by Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate uh, if you're you or someone you know is looking to buy or sell a home call or text Devin at 801-759-1495 that's 801-759-1495 there are some inventory spots available for Almost every there's one or two weeks that that's not the case, um, but generally there's inventory still available on Locked On Jazz for the season. So if you're looking for a male audience between the ages of really 18, 44, 25, 54, 97 percent male. Ladies, we still love you, but that's just the truth. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, advertising on the program, and we'd love to represent your company. If you match with what we're doing, I'm going to go meet with some guys this week. It's another possibility. And uh, boy, I had a funny grip six experience. I'll tell later in the week where I got. Emails from a guy who uh, used uh, the Grip Six bite, uh, belt that I 
that's a new was a new sponsor last week. He was hysterical about it, so I'll share that as the week goes on. Anyway, if you'd like to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We do everything based on listens so that it's a CPM per 1,000 listens, and our uh, we think it's a pretty fair rate and delivered well for clients, so love to have you aboard if it's something that matches your company and matches what we want to represent as well. dlock09 at gmail.com. All right. Uh, rightful order of the basketball universe is a weird phrase that I've used a lot about teams, and it's a concern that I have about the Jazz um, this year. It's a concern I have on some other teams as well. So, for example, Denver, the, the rightful order of the basketball universe means that everyone's kind of in the right spot, doing the right thing they're supposed to do, understands their role, and that their role is realistic for them to be able to accomplish. That last part is probably the most important uh, aspect of the rightful order of the basketball universe. So you think of last year's team, it really kind of matched. Gordon had emerged well enough to be the man. Rudy had his role defensively. George Hill has been able – it's just fit, right? And then – so the concern for the Jazz a little bit in my book is that, you know, first of all, that Rodney Hood suddenly gets asked to do dramatically more than he's ever been asked or is realistic – <clears throat> for him to understand, you know, for him to handle. And then that eats away at itself. The The positive on uh, the positive on the rightful order of the basketball universe is as we go deeper into our roster, everyone kind of gets it, right? So Epe Udo is an insurance policy, and um, Jarebko gets exactly how he's supposed to fit. Um, I think... Cephalosha gets exactly what he's supposed to do. Ingles gets exactly what he's supposed to do. Neto obviously gets exactly what he's supposed to do. And so uh, when you – that's the pot, the top level, though, of the rightful order of the basketball universe has me a bit concerned with this Jazz team. You know, if suddenly Hood is overstretching and struggles and the pressure's too much, that's – if Rubio, who is a facilitating leader, right play, right time guy, suddenly feels a burden to, to up his, his what has always been kind of calm usage rate into something that, you know, he's not going to – I keep getting these notes from people. Like, do you think this – you know, do you think this is – like, he's, do you think this shooting is real? Or, I mean, he had a good second half of the season, but I also – I have a hard time believing – that after 11,000 minutes in the NBA, 353 games, that he's suddenly going to be a dramatically different player. I mean, this is a guy for his career who has shot 38% from the field and 32% from three. Whose effective field goal percentage is, quite honestly, a horrendous 41.5. League average is 50. Now, the last two years, he's 43 and 45, so he's better. And he might be able to take some growth steps, but... Like, we're not, like, grow steps to a to what level? And so, you know, here's a guy who does a lot of things to help you win and does a lot of things really well, and his usage rate is always, you know, his usage rate last two years has been about 17%. You know, when he suddenly exceeds that number, is that good? And obviously the first way to fix him is to get him to finish around the rim. He just, it, you know, he's below 50% shooter at the rim, and that's an area where he's going to have to find a way uh, to get better, but 
I mean, he does. I'm not. So my point. Actually, Rubio might be my best example. Rubio does a million things really, really well that can help this team and help you win. My concern is that if the rightful order of the basketball universe isn't lined up for him, that he suddenly tries to stretch that into being, you know, a, a real offensive player. And now instead of a usage rate of 17%, he's up at 21 or 22. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's his inefficiency is are are highlighted more than they would be otherwise. Uh, the same kind of thing on Rodney. Rodney's usage rate is 23% like last year. That's really high, and he was not efficient. That's why he had such a bad pack last year and, and why some of his numbers were. And so there's the concern that I have on this Jazz team is, you know, you know, I was listening to Rob Mahoney, who's just so brilliant, talking about some things. He's the SI writer. And he was talking about, you know, sometimes the, the problem with young players, they don't understand their role and, and how they can be most successful, and they always get outside of what's good for the team. And it made me just think about this in regards to our team this year. So what? how does this work? How do we, how do we keep guys, when you look at our depth chart, doing the right things and not suddenly feeling as though they have to, you know, do, you know. I, I don't know. Do I suddenly want? I don't want Joe Ingles stretching out of his zone. Joe Johnson suddenly carries the load. It's a little. It's a little bit burdensome for him at this age in his career. But it does seem as though um, that's the case. And you know that I mean he have to. Do, he may have to be a real scorer when he's on the floor. Uh, and and that's. You know, he wasn't, frankly, super efficient. He was great in the playoffs, and he's got the ability to do that, and he can probably go get a bucket as well as anyone on the roster. So that's just a concern uh, that I have on this team as, as we move forward, and that that can start to eat away as, at itself a little bit in the season. And and when you don't have that rightful order, uh, it's tough, because I don't know. We don't have, frankly, we don't have a number one score, and we probably don't have a number two score. And so how do you egalitarianly move that around with screening and passing and all of those things with well, guys stay in their role and don't feel as though that they have a sudden uh, overwhelming burden or that they eat away at themselves by making a bunch of mistakes? That's, that's my concern. Today's show brought to you by Devin Cash. And, you know, it's funny. I was going back through some notes with Devin. And uh, we first met, and I was like, can you give me kind of an understanding of who you are and and what it is that, you know, what, what what would be why someone should use you, Devin? That was really what I asked him, trying to figure him out a little bit and if he was going to advertise for me. He, said, his, his, he wrote this back to me, and I always saved it. I, I, I really approach real estate with the heart of a teacher. I never want my clients to feel uncomfortable with any situation. I love working with first-time home buyers because I can guide them through the process from start to finish. When you need to talk to me, you talk to me. You won't have to deal with secretaries, receptionists, or coordinators. I never rush my clients into a decision they're not ready to make. And it's cherry on top. We can talk jazz basketball in between houses. And then what happened over the last year is I continually got emails from people that use Devin Cash and that was it. It was Zach Campbell. What most people who wrote to me, what most people don't realize about realtors, their ability to establish rapport with their counterparts, play a huge role with the sale, proceeds. Devin is simply a downright good guy, which fosters positive relationships with everyone he interacts with. Then I got an email from Kyle Diener, who spent 
we spent the next 25 minutes talking basketball and life. Devin built a market analysis for me by the end of the next day, which is great. I didn't expect him to do that sort of effort so quickly. The biggest surprise working with Devin was his personal tact. We're not planning on moving for at least six months, so I was apprehensive on how he'd handle that type of situation. But he's been great. He's kept in touch, but at no point ever came across as pushy, impatient, or uninterested. It's great. You know what? Devin Cash has the rightful order of the real estate universe in line for him. That's what he's got. Give Devin a call at 801-759-1495. Two free season tickets when you buy or sell a home with Devin. It's a little caveat this year that tickets are sold out that usually do that. So it's a percentage of his commission that he'll uh, give you as either uh, he gave one guy a big screen TV so he could watch the Jazz. Other people, he buys them Jazz season tickets. Give Devin a call at 801-759-1495. That's 801-759-1495. If you're just considering, and right now is not the time, have him do a market analysis for you. All right, so let's look at the point guard situation. It's really interesting this year because I think there's five guys that are going to play point guard minutes this year for the Utah Jazz. There's going to be, obviously, Ricky Rubio, who in his career has always played 30 minutes a night. He's always been a good enough player. That he's always His average is 32. There's no reason to think I think he'll be doing anything different. 32, 32, 31, 33. Uh, even, you know, Thibodeau did not like him, and they did not vibe last year, and he played 33 minutes a night. Uh, I, I and, Well, Thibodeau plays his guys a lot, so maybe that's hardly playing someone for Thibodeau for all I know. So I think that that's... What you'll pro- what you should most likely see out of um, uh, very very likely uh, to see out of Rubio this year is playing those thirty minutes. The eight next eighteen minutes gets get really interesting. Dante looks much improved. Um, and his, his body's a million times better. He's got to learn the game. Uh, he's got special elite-level skills. Last year, he played 19 minutes a game. That would be all of the minutes right there. That could be it. Neto's around, who's so solid. Donovan Mitchell, I think, plays a little one, little two. He's going to make way too many mistakes to play him at the one all the time. Um, but I think you probably he needs to, frankly, eventually become that player. You just don't have a lot of six three shooting guards in the NBA, um, and I think that that's something you know. For all the optimism about Donovan, I think there are we're, there's a lot of blind eyes to some of the things that could cause him some problems in his career, and that's one of them. You know, this is not an easy road for people. You have to overcome things if you're going to be great. Uh, and then I think. You know, I think Joe Ingles plays some minutes at the point guard position this year, whether it's now with Donovan and Dante on the floor and he just kind of calms things down as the veteran and plays that point, whether it's, you know, in a in a weird different lineup in which he's actually out there with as with Rodney and and Donovan and and Joe Ingles and Jarebko playing the four and uh in favors or Gobert at the five, then maybe that works a little bit. Uh in in the pro in that you get that instead. So I don't know, but I, it's interesting because if Rubio grabs 30 minutes, there just aren't that many to distribute. And yet at the same time, I expect to see lots of different guys uh, getting time out there. Neto is just so solid. I, I don't know that uh, I expect him to uh, be able to break through. He just doesn't have the elite skills that a Dante uh, capability, but he plays the game so well. He he puts he, he's so solid when he's out there. He plays so hard. He's such a luxury to have uh, on that roster. 
Uh, so th- those are my thoughts on the point guard situation. Part two of our get to know feature now for you uh, with Epe Udo. Let's get to know uh, the Jazz second string, third string center, Epe Udo. He originally played his college ball at, uh, I think, Michigan, the transfer to Baylor. Baylor and then transferred to Michigan and has been in Europe, had a wonderful time in Turkey. Uh it really kind of found himself, was with the Warriors, was was one of those guys on the Warriors roster after being the sixth pick of the draft who they weren't very good, but they were always better when he was on the floor. And then he got traded to Milwaukee in the Monte Ellis deal and never kind of found his bearings there, played less and less and less over time, uh, and, then, and, and then went to L.A. and got lost with the Clippers and finally went to Europe and may have found himself a little bit there. Uh, he's... In his NBA career, he's played about 17 minutes a night. Not a great offensive player at 43% shooting, uh, but the game has changed a little bit on him. He now can play just around the rim as a roll guy where uh, his real problem was anytime he stretched outside of three feet, uh, he started to struggle a little bit. His three- to ten-foot game has is, is not been particularly good. He's better if he stays around the rim and stays there. When he tried to stretch it out to 10 to 16 feet, he was okay. He was 41% uh, in his career. Uh, there, but it's not an area of strength. He's not a stretch. You just turn him into a defensive player and a role guy uh, at this point. But he's an interesting man as well, and we get to know him a little bit here on Locked on Jazz. Time to get to know Epe Udo. If you took me back to your hometown, hometown, where would you take me? What would you show me? I would take you back to my neighborhood, Meadow Lake Park, take you to the um, to the court where we used to play, where I developed my love for the game. And what's that court like? Concrete court, you know, chain-linked net, steel rims, yeah, you know, just grinding. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I have an older brother and two younger sisters. And what was that environment like? Was it always competing? Was it, uh, very- it, it, it was good. I, mean, I wasn't as home as much. Cause I, in the summertime, I would be playing basketball, so I would always be on the move. Um, but it, it was great. We all have love for each other. And what are they doing now? Um, my older brother lives in Nigeria. Uh, my two younger sisters are in school right now, uh, about to complete their degree. Uh, if you took me, or when you were a kid in the, at that park you may have mentioned a moment ago, who were you emulating? What was the player you always tried to be? You, everybody wanted to be like MJ. Um, but Akeem Olajuwon, Kevin Garnett, um, just whoever <laughs> whoever was hot at that time. There's an absolute generational break in this game right now of everybody wanted to be MJ and everybody wanted to be Kobe. Yeah, no. Nah, depends on the age. Yeah, no, you're right. But, you know, if, 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 you, if you really know the game, then you know you wanted to be like MJ growing up. <laughs> Uh, what was the worst chore you ever had as a child? I didn't even know they were bad. Probably ironing my my dad's scrubs. That was terrible because then if it's not all the wrinkles aren't out, then you got to redo it. You just, it's just terrible. What was the first nickname you ever got? Well, that's hard because my name is Epe, but people call me Ep. I've had Epidermis, Epster, Epstein. Like, it's just crazy. (laughs) But along those lines. What is the origin of Epe? Nigerian. uh, Epe stands for lion. And why do you wear the uniform number that you do? It's a good question. But um, there's this coach. His name is Coach Driscoll at University of North Florida. And he, for the last... 
three years, he's picked my numbers. I have it in my mind, but I, I, I don't know exactly what the numbers stand for. And what's your connection to him? Uh, he was one of the assistants when I was at Baylor University, and we've just been we've been great ever since. The NBA life includes a lot of downtime. What is your favorite thing to do in that downtime? You know, I'm a reader. I like to read, or I like to eat really good. Um, bringing the book club to Salt Lake City. You know, when we're on the road, I'm just going to try to find the best food around. What is your favorite road restaurant? Ah, you know, it's tough because last, last couple of years I've been in Istanbul. But I will say, Yoki in Istanbul is one of the best sushi places in the world. What's your favorite food for just now? I'm just being curious because I'm going to steal all your restaurants. My favorite food, like, really is sushi or, uh, cause, you know, I'm on a little health kick. But, yeah, sushi. I don't, even, I don't know. I haven't found that great sushi spot in America yet. Well, but you will catch me at Zuma. In Miami? Miami, yes. It's the best. It's yeah, the best restaurant on the road. Delicious, delicious menu and dessert. That was going to be my, my answer to that question, by the way. Is that yeah. well, My answer is the best restaurant on the road is Zuma. Zuma, yeah. They do a good job. What is your guilty pleasure? Um, Red velvet cake. Um, that's really about it. Just eating. Everything with me revolves around food. What is the most memorable moment of your career? Uh, winning the EuroLeague Championship this past year in Istanbul in front of our fans. I've read some of the articles. It sounds like just there was this incredible connection between you and the people. You know, what I, happened? I, I kind of just I gave them a voice in a way. Um, when people were down on Istanbul, I kind of I was kind of that voice like, "Oh, it's okay," because <clears throat> Istanbul is a beautiful country, a beautiful city. Turkey is a beautiful country. Um, yeah, I just think more people need to travel there, and I learned about their history and, and push that forward as well. And what was it like? I mean, it's, they, the articles make it sound like you were almost like a folk hero to them. <laughs> it was great. I mean, you can say that. I mean, me and the fans, we had a great connection. Um, but it, it was amazing. It was a great experience to see the world as well. Uh, not, not, never forget that. Not to get too deep, though I like to have real conversations. You were in a funky spot. I mean, you were this high draft pick. Did they give you a voice in some way? As far as what? Just kind of no, to re revitalize your love for the game or something? Or? Um, no, I, I, you know, coming into the situation, I don't think they they saw me as a player I became. Um, so it was, it was just a clean slate for me, just coming and do work. And uh, I was able to take it to another level. Are you a different player than the one that left two years ago? For sure, for sure. In what sense? Um, just, just being aggressive, um, working, working more, having more of a work output than I did in my, in my first five years in the NBA. Um, do you have a single shot that's the most memorable shot of your career? Um, had to be some, some, sometime in the game versus Madrid, Real Madrid in the semifinals of the final four. It got you know it got kind of chippy, so it was it was good. You're deep enough for this. I'm gonna be interested in well, right. We can get deeper if you want uh, to. We'll will in a second. Three people dead or alive. That old cliche question: You could have dinner with who would you choose? Malcolm X, um, Muhammad Ali, and. Um, Three. Where's my last? 
I, I wanted to meet Prince yeah, and just have a yeah, have a conversation with Prince. Yeah, have, while you're having a conversation, he plays a little bit. It'd be a perfect night. It sounds yeah. like pretty good. All right, uh, let's go into the grit, talent, code aspect of things. What made you believe you could make the league? Um, what made me believe I could make the league? It's a tough question. I was just evolving, you know, year after year. Uh, from when I was five years old, growing up at Meadow Lakes Park, until now. Um, and I've just been able to evolve. And then once I seen I was as talented as some of the best players, you know, just that goal became even, even more surefire for me. When you look back at that journey, what are the things where you think you were different than other people or you approached it in a different way or – I gotta give a lot of cr- uh, props to my to my high school coach, um, Guy Hardacre. Um, I was around him from the second grade on. It really taught me the fundamentals of the game, um, and and really helped me defensively. Because def- now def- I don't have to think twice with with defense, and I can anywhere I can go, I can pick up the defensive st- uh, scheme. You may have just said it right there, but in the book Talent Code, they talk about the the most elite athletes have at some point practiced what they call acute practice or deliberate practice, not just shooting, but you're working on this incredible minuteness. They talk mm-hmm. about skateboarders in empty pools. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where the skateboarding rage started out of L.A. Mm-hmm. was because all the, the drought and, the re- and bad real estate, so there were empty pools, and they got better than everyone. They talk about the right. Brazilian soccer players playing in the alleyways of the ghetto mm-hmm. or actually without a field where most of their soccer players come. If you think of your career, is there a, is there deliberate practice that, Probably just growing up in, the, in that neighborhood, uh, Meadow Lakes, and, and being one of the young guys who would always have to go up against the older guys, get beat up, and, and fight to just to get on the court. And then once you got on the court, you had to figure out a way to stay on the court. There's a level that you have to have had, I'll do whatever it takes to improve. Right. Where'd that come from? I probably just seen the, my parents and their, and their grind coming from Nigeria um, and just working, working as hard as they could. What is the most difficult aspect to improvement um just the work just the work that you got to put in um, you got to put it in <laughs> when you don't want to you have to put it in what's the greatest doubt you ever had on the in this process uh in like just am i good enough you know you, you always struggle with that Did i do enough um i think that's that's big that's one of the bigger questions when you have that doubt, how do you keep coming back and kind gotta of? Keep, you got to keep working. You got to put that work in. It, it all comes down to to the work in. You know, the work doesn't always have to be on the court. You could do work in the film room, um, the way you eat, um, the books you read. That might be able to help you help your mental out. When you finish a game, do you remember the good or the bad? Uh pretty much all of it. Yeah, can't can't have one without the other. If there's a, there's a quote that says to do anything really well, you have to overextend yourself. What would be your examples of where you've done that? Um, probably this this past year, where I, mean, I had to play a lot of minutes from the beginning. It wasn't intentional. I don't believe, but Coach Obradovich he played me a lot of minutes, and that's something I had to deal with and, and work towards. And it and at the end, it all worked worked out for the best of everybody. Another quote, superlative performance is really the confluence of details of, or excuse me, of dozens of small skills 
each learned that then become one larger habit? Small details. Um, Obradovich preached that every day in practice. I mean, it makes sense. And then forget about basketball, just in life. You know, just just making sure you're always doing the small details and not cutting corners. It, it'll it'll get you ready for that big moment. What are those small details for you in your practice or your game? <clears throat> always making that cut, trying to um, get your guys shifting, um, being focused in a timeout when a coach is drawing up a play, um, conditioning. <laughs> yep, conditioning is big. And just, just, and just being aware of the game. And finally, what makes you come back every day? I guess the love and the um, the um, the accountability of being on this platform and being a role model to to kids who who may not have it or kids that have it all, and, and trying to like with the book club, you know, trying to change the mindset behind reading. Oh, here's an NBA player. He reads, so, you know, hey, maybe I need to start reading more and get into what he's into. Just trying to change the, the conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Another bright, delightful young man and easy to root for, Epe Udo. Today's show brought to you by Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. Give Devin a call at 801-759-1495. Remember, you can listen to Locked on Jazz on your Alexa or on your Google Home, as well as iTunes or any other podcatcher. Thanks very much for tuning into the program. We greatly appreciate it. Back with you with another Get to Know Tomorrow here on Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.